here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. The 2022 Masters is in the books. Scotty Scheffler is your major champion, your Masters champion, an all-time heater. Four wins in six events. Four wins in eight weeks. We're going to get into that and how it is Tiger-esque when a lot of people shouldn't say Tiger-esque. This is Tiger-esque. We're going to talk about Rory, Cam Smith, all the lovable losers behind Scotty Scheffler and everything else you missed while we were on the grounds at the Masters. First, Sean. But first. Well, first, Sean, thanks for being here. Uh, the, the hay's in the barn. The <laughs> Masters is in the books. The Domino's Pizza has come and gone from our uh, late night writing rental house. And the Radmore gear. I'm still wearing it. Still on. <laughs> it's just that comfortable, Sean. I'm currently wearing... A Radmore hoodie, Radmore pants. But Sean, I do want to tell the people about Radmore Golf, in particular the drop zone line, which was just released this week. We sold through most of it uh this week at the Masters, but this is our first ever podcast. This stuff's going merch. fast. Well, yeah, of course it's going fast because it looks sick. This week I was wearing my my uh drop zone crew neck out on the course mm-hmm. and people stopping me left and right saying, Oh, what's the drop zone? Oh, where can I get that? Like, Don't you know? And where you can get it, Sean, is at radmoregolf.com. That's R A D M O R golf.com. And best of all, you can get it for 25% off because we are offering you a special drop zone discount code. Enter drop zone, all one word at checkout and you get 25% off. That's radmoregolf.com, R-A-D-M-O-R, golf.com. But this would not be a good podcast if we had just one sponsor, It Dylan. gets even better, Sean. <laughs> we have a second sponsor. It's Rockform. You've heard us talk about this speaker for weeks. It's the G-Rock speaker. We have tested it out last week. We've tested it out in the wild this week. We're definitely going to put it to use tomorrow when we play our Postmasters Monday round of golf. It's a $100 speaker, Dylan, but if you use the code DZ20, that's DZ20, you get 20% off, and like I've been trying to tell people, in most cases, you're going to get free shipping on this as well, mm. so like you you have a spare $80 in your wallet somewhere. You, you have a lot more than that. I have, I've got $80 in my wallet. I might buy a second speaker. It's incredibly easy to use, Sean. The sound quality is great. We used it last week. We're going to use it tomorrow. But let's talk about the Masters. What a week. It's a weird week, dude. It was uh, everyone. I've done a couple podcasts tonight, honestly, before this what? one. I, I don't know. I felt like I was cheating. But the, the question was like, what will you remember? I, I remember how weird it was when it got really, really cold on Saturday. And it felt like I was in the fall here during the springtime. Uh, it was really weird when I didn't pay attention to a single shot that Dustin Johnson hit all week, but it felt like he was in contention the entire time. It was weird because of what Rory McIlroy did today, because of what Tiger Woods did all week, because Phil Mickelson wasn't here, because no one really wants to talk about certain things and we got to talk about other things. It was 
honestly the best word for me. It was a weird week. I think some of the things that you're describing as weird are just sort of like the notable things that happened. You know, I mean, I think by that definition, every Masters is weird. Um, Rory's round today was incredible. I think that delivered a couple of the most memorable moments. Um, some of the charges made by guys at various points were notable, but yeah, I mean, I think without question, this was Scotty Scheffler's coronation. He came in as the world number one. He came in but as a no one even started, unheralded yeah, world we didn't number care one about him at that point. I know and we, this this was validation. This was affirmation. This was Scotty Scheffler planting his flag and saying, "Come get it! <laughs> I'm the best goddamn player in the world." Yeah, I think what's so funny about this whole Scotty Scheffler spring is that, as we said, I think a week ago. Patrick Cantley could have beat him in Phoenix, and that feels like it could change everything. Then Victor Hovland could have beat him in Orlando, and it feels like that might have changed things. Kevin Kisner could have kept him from becoming world number one, and obviously that would have changed things in Texas. I still think that no one was really ready to believe that Scotty Scheffler would win a major right now. He's, I mean, obviously capable, but... Did you believe that it would happen right now? Did you no, believe that it would happen this year? When we I thought he was going to wake up. I thought he was bound to wake up from his dream. I thought that, you know, okay, this has been a really, really impressive run. Not to take anything away from that, but, you know, it's just it's too much too fast if he comes out and wins this week. Guess what? He comes out and wins this week. I mean, he didn't just win. He was basically in control of the golf tournament the entire time. Why is he so good? Can you put it into an answer? Um, no, I, I <laughs> but I guess here's the best way that I'll try. He, he doesn't have a clear weakness in his game. That's the big thing. But he has this uncanny ability to uh, limit the damage when he gets in trouble. And whenever something bad happens, he seems to... Instead of that, instead of one bad shot compounding and becoming two bad shots, the reverse seems to happen. He seems to follow a bad shot with a great shot. Um, so it's not that he didn't hit poor shots this week. It's just that he followed them by getting back into position or getting up and down or making a clutch 10-foot putt. Um, and he doesn't and judging from the people that have played a lot of golf with him, Will Zalatoris was talking about it. He said that has always been the case with Scotty Scheffler. You know, he has not necessarily hit you over the head with any one thing. He doesn't have an Instagram swing. He doesn't, <laughs> uh, you know, he doesn't hit the ball any further than other long hitters on the PGA Tour. Um, but he just gets the ball in the hole. And it seems like he's found the recipe to, at least right now, do that a whole lot more effectively than anybody else. It feels a lot like, in some ways, like Colin Morikawa's recent rise, in part because it happened super quickly, but also in part because Scotty went through four years of college. Colin Morikawa went through four years of college. They both burst onto the scene and have success. They were rookies on the same Ryder Cup team, and they both have like a ridiculous structure around them. Their parents both very involved their agents like have known them for a long time their coaches have known them for most of a decade if not a decade they are either engaged to be married or married already like they have this core this rock that they can mm -hmm. 
yeah, build a up. structure. And and so much uh, of what they do is just golf and they have people around them taking care of everything else. There's something to be said for that. It's unquantifiable, but it exists. And we've seen it happen now in the last couple of years with two new fresh kids who weren't winning at 20 years old. Um, they weren't, at least they weren't on the PGA Tour at that point, which kind of is different than the Spieth JT era when they came out. Uh, Scheffler, his first double bogey came on the 18th hole. <laughs> what a bizarre finish. Yeah, and we'll talk about the third hole in a little bit, but it is so hard to play four rounds at Augusta National without a double bogey. Usually, if you make two double bogeys, that is your first ticket, first class ticket to not winning. You can maybe make one, but you almost never make two and win. Spieth, a couple years ago, made three, almost one. But it doesn't happen. I happen to be right of three in a horrible spot because at that point, the patrons were six or seven deep. I was standing right next to Scheffler's coach, Randy Smith, and also right next to his agent, Blake Smith. They had no idea where Scotty really even was. I didn't have a clue. He was down by that bunker. And it just goes to show you how tricky viewing shots at the Masters are if you really care about one single person. Um, out of nowhere, we were kind of all like thinking, okay, where is he? And like, are we going to get a good view for the next shot on four? And, you know, where's Camp Smith? Could this be a double bogey situation? We got to scramble for a par. Uh, suddenly the crowd erupts <laughs> and I look at them and they have no idea if he hit it tight, if he hit it off the pin, if it actually went down for a birdie. Of course it did go for a birdie. It was a, it was a surreal moment though, to see Blake Smith kind of freak out. He comes over to me. He's like, Sean, what did you see? Did you see that? It, you know, did, was it a low spinner? Did you see it go in? And I'm like, I saw nothing. And then Randy Smith like is like gripping his son's shoulders in this like epic moment, just like, oh my gosh, he just hit the shot of his life and none of us saw it. Um, obviously followed by a bunch of smiles, but um, yeah, that was just, it seemed like if Cam Smith could go back to a moment, it would not even be him putting in a drink on 12. It would be whatever happened during those five minutes over over the ball in the third hole. Yeah, I mean, if, if he could replay a shot from the day, he might have Scheffler replay that shot because <laughs> yeah. he didn't just you think he pick got lucky? up a shot. He picked up, you know, much more than that. Uh, yeah, he got lucky. That ball was traveling with some speed. He was going to have six feet left for par, Maybe more. I had more. to guess. Maybe more. I mean, the greens were definitely plenty crispy. Um it was a massive moment, but you know he didn't end up beating Cameron Smith by one shot or two shots. I mean, he he beat him by five shots, and even that is with two extra shots budgeted in for a four putt on number eighteen. Um, man, just one thing on that four putt, Sean. It's giving me retroactive anxiety retroactive for, for tiger woods at the 2019 masters oh uh, this is a, this is admittedly some broken brain stuff but when tiger left his first putt shortish on 18 that sunday morning i just had this immediate 
anxious feeling of, oh my God, he's now hit it in the zone where he could still very much miss it. But if he does miss it, it would be one of the all-time chokes in sports <laughs> history. And, you know, even though this was a fleeting moment, it only took a you know few seconds before he putted it in. That's what I was thinking about once I saw Scotty miss yeah. both those putts today. Like, of course it's possible. We've seen people miss short putts to win majors. Crazy stuff happens to your body under that kind of pressure. Yeah, there's an element, and I think a lot of pros who win tournaments will say this, you'd rather be up one than up two. And you mm. maybe would rather be up two than up four because when you're up by a bigger number, you feel so comfortable. And sometimes you feel a little bit too comfortable. And when you miss two three-footers in a row, suddenly that third three-footer is like, oh, wait, how many strokes have I made on yeah. this hole? Things start moving really quickly. To be clear, I would definitely, if I'm on the 18th green, I would much rather be up four than two. But yes, <laughs> in terms of actually executing one single shot in front of you, what it does to I your head. Your point. It, yeah, it's a mentality thing. Ted Scott moves in and kind of just says, hey, buddy, please chill out. I'm like, we're all good. Yeah. You make these all day. You've made them all week. Uh, the Ted Scott factor is interesting. He comes out of retirement as a caddy to get on Scheffler's bag and looks like a, he looks like a genius now. We'll never be able to quantify how important he is to Scotty in this run. But he has to be pretty damn important, right? The evidence certainly suggests that he is. <laughs> I mean, before before he got on Scotty's bag, Scotty was he was already playing well. Um, and they finished, you know, fifty seventh together the first week. But after that, it's been crazy. Scotty finished second at the hero. Uh, and then starting twenty twenty two you know, a couple top 25s. And since then, four wins in six starts plus a seventh and a 55th. It's hard to imagine anyone doing better. They seem like they're on the same page yeah. about a lot of stuff. Um, I, I, Ted Scott clearly knows how to be a good caddy at the Masters, whatever that exactly requires. Uh, yeah, I mean, they... They've met. They've met in Bible study. Scotty talked about his faith a lot tonight in the press conference. They seem to be on the same page on that front. So I guess it just is a partnership that works out. Um, it's really hard to know why, unless you are, are more involved in their partnership than we are. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely worth noting. This is an all-time heater. All-time right. heater. He didn't have a single win before this. <laughs> he hadn't won on the PGA Tour. Before so, Ted Scott, before 2022, before whatever, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. What what I want to do now is something that I think a lot of people do at times, and I hate it. They rush to anoint someone based off of one successful year, and they bring up Tiger Woods. Uh, Tiger Woods, I think, has had seven such seasons in which he won a major uh, and he won four times total, and he also won a WGC. Scotty Scheffler has done that once. <laughs> he did it this year, and he's the only other person in the history of the planet <laughs> to do it. Um, but what he's done is Tiger-esque. Four wins in six events does not happen on the PGA Tour. It is reminiscent but better than what Jason Day in, did in 2015 and what Spieth did uh, in 2014 and 2015. It is okay to bring up Tiger's name right now 
for this little mini extremely hot stretch that we don't know when it'll end. It is going to end at some point. I even talked to Scotty's agent and he said, look, I don't know if he'll last as the number one player for two years or two weeks, but I think he's going to handle it appropriately. And uh, yeah, I just, I want people to be comfortable using Tiger's name, invoking his name in this scenario when other times they'll maybe abuse it. But now is, now is a fitting time. Yeah. I've now been in this job for coming up on five years. And I think in that time, this is the most dominant stretch I've seen from any golfer. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's crazy to think about that. I mean, Jason Day in 2015, Jordan Spieth in 2015, like they each had stretches that were uh, definitely extremely dominant. But in terms of winning a bunch mm-hmm. in one stretch, you know, if you're not counting Brendan Todd and Bermuda, <laughs> um, then this is kind of where you turn. If you look at the world rankings, Scotty's now over over 10 average points yep which doesn't have to mean anything except that colin morikawa is now number two in the world at 7.98 so that's a pretty significant lead yeah so he's gonna have that spot for a while colin morikawa just leapfrogged john rom to number two in the world sean what we're seeing here is something interesting there is a generation of major potential major winners kind of getting leapfrogged by this new generation, you got Scotty and Morikawa, you got Zalatoris, like the leaderboard this week definitely had a bunch of these names mixed in there that were, uh, that were not Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay. And, you know, Justin Thomas was up there, but not at the top. Um, the kids are here and they're winning. Yeah. I don't like the generation talk because it's always so indefinite. Well, it's indefinite and it does. Yeah. It's it's like, it's almost has to do more with like your tenure on tour and your profile than it does with your actual age. It's definitely very hard to define. I don't know where you would put Cameron Smith. He's 28. Where would you put Bryson? Um, I would put him in the older generation than Scotty. I would put Scotty and Morikawa and Zalatoris and, uh, Victor Hovland all in the same spot with, with Joaquin Neiman. Rom's a tweener. (laughs) <laughs> there's too many tweeners they're all tweeners yeah every generation is like two years let's talk about someone that is a slight half generation above <laughs> even those guys rory mcelroy he got his mojo back sean i so anyone who listens to this podcast knows that i think i i it would be fair to to call me critical of Rory, at least at this iteration of his career. Um, I think there have been times where he has clearly lacked, he's lacked something, whether it be a tight wedge game from 75 to 125 yards. You know, I, I think I used the word dexterity a number of weeks ago with his short game, a putter that can go hot and cold. He's lacked something. And I, I feel like I've been the one that really pointed it out but I felt like I saw a different golfer today. And it's not just because he's playing well, but like this is a guy who grinded out rounds at the beginning of the week, played pretty mm-hmm. good golf in like tough weather on Saturday. Yeah. And then like the the conditions obviously set up well for him, but they set up well for everyone. Everyone played the same golf course today. And who shot the low round of the day? It was Rory McIlroy, a guy who really hasn't done that on a Sunday. I 
I wrote about it and was thinking about it a lot. Rory's never posted at Augusta National. Rory's had, you know, I think he's had 18, 36, and 54 hole leads, but he's never posted on a Sunday and made someone else go and beat him later on. Now, that Mm -hmm. happened, but at some moment today, when he was three back after holing out from the bunker on 18, Rory thought, well, I did a lot, (laughs) and I've given myself a chance. Maybe mayhem will take place on the 12th hole at Amen Corner, like it does from time to time, like it actually did for Cam Smith, but not Scotty Scheffler. Rory gave himself a chance, and... I think that says that shows a completely different golfer than we've seen for him at Augusta National. We just haven't seen him play super duper clutch golf. It's a different style doing it on Sunday than it is on Saturday. Sunday's round was ridiculous. I mean, it, it took a, a few kind of outrageous things. I mean, just on the back nine alone, he made an eagle and chipped in two other times. Yeah. Uh, and he also made a few, you know, really impressive up and downs, ups and down, maybe. Depending on your preference. Mm-hmm. Sean, on the weekend, well, first on Sunday, Rory had the low score by three shots. No one else was wow. better than 67. <laughs> on the weekend, Rory had the low score by six shots. Damn. If they'd played the, you know, for the first two and the last two in reverse order, if that was how they started the tournament, Rory would be going to Saturday with a six shot lead over the field. Yeah, I love seeing him do this at what is a tough golf course in, I think, varying conditions. Like, that's what you see at major championships. Saturday was tough. Sunday was good weather, but still a tough golf course in tough conditions. I mean, that's why it's such a fun tournament golf course is because if you're dialed in, you get rewarded. If you're not dialed in, you're stomping off like Tyrrell Hatton complaining about the slopes being too extreme and your balls rolling into a bunker and you're shooting 80. Um, yeah. What I loved seeing is that if Rory McIlroy was in this room right now, <laughs> for one, I you know we'd give him a toast, but if he was in this room and we said, Rory, what shots do you got to hit? Take us through your round, the round, any round that you would play what shots do you have to hit in order to play perfect catching golf at Augusta National? He would say the exact shot that he hit off the first tee. He would say the five iron that he hit into four. He would say, you know what, driving the green on number three like he did today. He would say the first and second shot on 13. He would say, uh, I'm trying to think of another one. He would he would obviously criticize himself for what he did on 15, but 16 was another good shot. Like he knows exactly the shots mm-hmm. that he has to do to shoot 64 out here. Yeah. He gave a couple of them away, earned a couple back, but I think over time you just become a super smart golfer. Like that's what Sergio did out here. Is he just got smarter and smarter every year about this golf course. Did not ever have like amazing success, but eventually like there was so much evidence of like, oh, I can't, I know this golf course. I just need to be a generational talent, which I am, and it'll add up if I do it enough times. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. There's so many of these half par holes, especially in the back nine, like, you know, 11, almost 10 also, but 11 is definitely like a par four and yep. a half. Um, the par fives are both four and a halves. Uh, and then 16, if you hit on Sunday, especially if you hit that, funnel pin spot that suddenly turns into a par two and a half yep 
So there are these uh, moments of inflection where, yeah, if you hit your tee shot in play on 15, you're picking up, don't know again what exactly what the number is, but probably more than half a shot. If you can go for that green with an iron instead of having to lay up um, or go at it in some, you know, forcing it type of way. Rory was out of position there. That was one of the few moments where he did not take full advantage on the back nine. But I mean, we sat in his press conference afterwards. Um, once it became clear that he was not going to be in a playoff or anything with Scheffler, he came into the media center and sat for a while. Yeah, he looked he tired. But tired, but once he started talking, he was almost giddy. Yep. I mean, he was so excited. One of the most telling things, Sean, and maybe you wrote about this. I know you were just touching up a Rory column before this, but I have not read it yet. He said it was the most excited he'd been on a golf course in a while. Yep. And one of the other things that he cited was the 2019 Open Championship where he missed the cut. That was, <laughs> it sounded like that was the last time that he felt something, basically. The last time he felt truly engaged at a major. Mm -hmm. Um that says a lot about Rory. I think yeah. that, that says that this is an emotional cat that like he is excited by maybe similar things to what we're excited by um, watching, which is, you know, drama, emotional investment, uh, et cetera. But it's clear that he needs to be in a very specific frame of mind to play his best golf at major championships. And he can't summon that out of thin air by which any is means. Weird. He would like to be able to. That's what most of the press conference uh, was spent kind of yeah. trying to dissect. That's so weird. Which is a bit awkward. Because um, Brooks Kepka like snaps his finger and often does it. Well. Or has in the past. Did for a while. Yeah. Maybe in a similar way, ultimately. In a similar way, confusing did. way. Um, I think that it's weird. And I think it's a weird thing that actually a lot of golfers battle is like, okay. I did this well this time. Now, how do I replicate that mindset? I mean, we have Bryson this week talking about trying to get back to his 2018 thing. We've had Jordan Spieth for a while talking about, you know, trying to learn from what he was doing when he was at his peak. So, you know, all these guys are trying, are, are experiencing some incredible success and then trying to replicate that success. And it's just a messy process. But what we saw today from Rory in part because of, you know, luck and some extraordinary circumstances, but in part just because he went and balled out. Uh, it was really encouraging. I think this was his happiest day ever at Augusta National. Mm. Best finish ever. Best finish ever. Uh, best round ever. Um, he said that right away in the Butler Cabin interview, he said this that's the happiest I've ever been on a golf course. Yeah. Which it it says, looked like it. It says... It, yeah, that moment exactly. on 18 when exactly. that bunker shot went in, when it trickled all the way down the slope, Rory just freaked out. It was it was cool. Yeah. It says a lot when a player who's won four majors, who's won 20 times on the PGA Tour, who did not win today, said that that was the happiest he's ever been on a golf course. And you're right. It did look like it. It was pure elation, uh, like uncontrollable body movements he's throwing his hands around like he doesn't know what to do with the golf club in his hands but then like you know dialing it back and like hugging his caddy and fist pumping a little bit but also settling the crowd down um i think the happiness thing i don't know i don't know if it 
I left the press conference thinking like this feels like a different Rory. The next time he hits a shot at Augusta National, he'll think about the last time he hit a shot at Augusta National, which is positive vibes only. Um, he he said a couple things. He's like, I think this will help me next year, and I also think this will help me moving forward. So it's overall just a, a impossibly optimistic day for a guy who started the day 10 back. <laughs> this was never going to be about him. It really wasn't. It was yeah. always going to be about Scotty Scheffler. But you know what he gave us, Dylan? This is what I wrote about. He gave us a non-winning member memory on the 18th hole. Every 18th hole highlight that you could go back to in Masters history, any 18th hole memories, they're always with the winner. Mm. They're never with the loser. They're never with someone like screaming for joy and jumping in the air by finishing second place. This was a different kind of memory that uh, there's nothing to do with the 18th hole. It has everything to do with, with Rory McIlroy, just kind of summoning some magic. So I think he's going to pull on this a lot. And for a guy who just kind of has to get his mind right to win a major, it seems, it could be all that he actually really needs. You know the great thing about it, Sean? It's podium season. This is <laughs> The perfect time to have instituted podium I hate, season. I hate that because I think you're right. Sean, at the start of the year, for the uninitiated listeners, I propose that we officially start referring to people getting on podiums, not just pure binary winners, losers, but you know there can be a little more nuance to it. There can be second place. There can be third place. It's not all Ricky Bobby if you're not first or last <laughs> mentality around here. No, this is more, you know, you're scoring points. It's the F1 inspired system of uh, of thinking about things here. In this case, Rory didn't rally just to come up short and lose. He rallied to finish second place. That's an accomplishment. Silver medalist at the Masters. Yeah. So what you you want Shane Lowry and Cam Smith to play off for third for the yes, bronze? I do exactly, Sean. That's exactly what I want. You want Cam Smith and Shane Lowry going back to the 18th tee while Scotty Scheffler's green jacket ceremony is playing out? Yeah. Uh, who says no? I mean, you could talk me into some sort of chip off system or something, you know, in extenuating circumstances. But um, yeah, otherwise, I see no reason why that wouldn't be the perfect little dessert. I mean, the Masters you just has want more this, golf. The Masters has like a built in come down. You know, I, it's a real come down, by the way. But, you know, you've got your butler cabin ceremony. You've got your presentations, your green jacket, your press conference. Most tournaments, it's a hard out. It's sure. like we've got, whatever, 60 minutes coming up. Yep. If instead of the jolt of, okay, nice winning putt, here's who's presenting Jim Nance's outfits this week, boom, we're out. If instead it was like, hey, flip over to Golf Channel and watch yeah. Shane Lowry play off for the bronze medal, be like, whew, all right, this is like a little, I'm, I'm having a little dessert here. I think you just want more golf. Because I want a little more sicko. golf. Well, and we should praise Shane Lowry, Sean. T3, um, played hard today, now is building a pretty sneaky resume in major championships. Uh, he had a T4 last year at the PGA at Kiowa. He played pretty well at the Open last year. He obviously won the Open in 2019. 
You know, he's a he's a decent big game hunter, especially when things get yeah. a little firm. He's not a they birdie a fest windy. kind of guy. He's, no, he's not he's not gonna go out and win a tournament at twenty four under. He's I a mutter. I don't think at least. He's he's a guy that's gonna win like we said on a week we said this a week ago. Tiger Woods wants a masters that's gonna be one at five or six under. I think Shane Lowry is the same way. Windy conditions, firm conditions. Like you get screwed over if you have no short game kind of conditions. Yeah. That I mean, you're gonna get that at least one major every single year, maybe two. So Lowry at this point, probably in his prime, probably peaking. Um let's Definitely talk let's peaking. talk about Tiger though. Your boy. Did let's he get did Tiger. he get in four competitive rounds of golf this week or just two? <laughs> I mean, I think that that's a reasonable question. Uh, he definitely got in more than two in the sense that through two rounds, he was in uh, in a competitive place on the leaderboard. I mean, Scheffler was trying to run away with things, but Tiger was still just four shots out of second place going to Saturday, which meant that he essentially went through the routine to try to contend on the weekend. It didn't work out for him, Sean. I mean, he was... He was disastrous putting on uh saturday and sunday he shot 78 78 he finished at 13 over of the people that made the cut he only beat a handful he beat about yeah i think literally five guys i think maybe only one guy shot a higher score on the weekend than tiger so no it wasn't good it wasn't a good weekend but i think that's small picture thinking. sure yes we we are always going to be expectation setters because at times the expectations run wild with this guy. At times he does nothing to dispel high expectations uh, and often doesn't set low ones either. So you and I are going to be the realist in the room when it comes to Tiger Woods and he did not play well. I was really optimistic though, Sean. I mean, I said at the start of the week, I expected he would be contending to be in the top 20. Uh, that was really only true for two rounds. His body didn't look like it held up as well as maybe we thought it would, but we didn't know. know what to expect. Maybe he, that's just visual. Maybe that's a visual thing because well, a lot of his trouble was not necessarily with his body, but yeah, I, I really kind of hoped that he would maybe get better in a couple aspects across the weekend. We knew that stamina had to be an issue, um, but that one under first round was the ultimate Rorschach test because he shot one under and it felt like he could have shot three under. He shot one under and it felt like, wow, that could have been four over. And the way that you looked at it was like he was scrambling his ass off. He was making par savers left and right all over the place. Does a par saver imply that you're playing it pretty well? Or does a par saver bail you out from actually playing it pretty poorly yeah it was it was a rorschach test that i thought he answered to uh in the second round 74 during tough conditions was actually quite good um but ultimately like completely let people down on the weekend yeah um and okay so setting expectations what does that mean moving forward i think it means that this guy wants to be a majors player right he wants to play in the majors but holy cow, is Southern Hills going to be a different experience for him than this one? Even if he if he takes part at you know at the PGA in Tulsa, it is going to be a longer golf course. It is going to be a, a probably a bit more brutish golf course. It'll be a really sweaty 
golf course. It's going to be hot in Oklahoma. Yeah, I think that part's good. The heat's definitely Is a it? good thing. Oh yeah, so when you can move better, I mean, I know he can move better, but like when you're getting drained by 95 degree heat, that doesn't necessarily make you better. Yeah. No, I, I I feel confident saying that that actually would be a a decent test for him. Certainly, this feels like than, a Goldilocks scenario where like too hot, too cold. Oh, Tiger, yeah. Tiger needs it to be I think right. That's in the well middle. said. I think he does need it just right, uh, and in a different way than Rory, which is it's kind of the same thing we were saying about Rory. <laughs> he needs it just right. Tiger definitely needs it just right, where he needs it to be tough, but not tough in a U.S. Open way, where it's you know long, rough, and challenges on the body. Um, he needs it to be, uh, like he can handle a long golf course, but again, just not one that is demanding in that particular way. And I think yeah. that Southern Hills actually could suit him fairly well. He basically committed to playing at St. Andrews. No, he did. He did commit nope, to it. No, not basically. Yeah. He said, I can't wait to play the open yeah. at St. Andrews. He said he'll play there and that he said that he hopes to play. You want to know why he'll play there? Because he likes it. He likes the course. He's got great history there. St. Andrews also happens to be the flattest golf course on the planet. Yeah, that's true. You will not find a flatter golf course, I don't think, than St. Andrews, especially one that they're playing a major championship at. He likes that course. He knows that course. He can hit a lot of stingers at that golf course. He doesn't need to use absurd length in speed to catch up to players. He can use his wedges. He can be a really smart golfer. The way he was at Carnoustie when he damn near won the Open in 2018. St. Andrews, with this golfer, feels like it might even be better than Augusta, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's the people that we've seen win Open Championships, except for Colin Morikawa, have been guys that have been through it, that uh, that have picked up craftiness and have been around the game for a little while and aren't necessarily at the peak of their actual full PGA tour career, but have clearly gotten better at something that translates to that style of golf. Dylan, let's take a quick break before we close to talk about global golf. Global golf has one letter on its mind right now, Dylan. Do you know what that letter is? I do. Because the I've heard this is, ad read before, and I think it's delightful. <laughs> the letter is U. Global Golf's various services are U Try, U Trade In, and U Select. And they are all about getting people into the right golf clubs for them. U Try is about trying brand new gear for two weeks. If you love it, you can keep it. We love it. If you don't love it, you send it back. We love that. U Trade In allows you to trade in your previously owned gear to credit towards the newest and best gear that you want. We love that too. And finally, you select is about personalized recommendations from golf professionals that are trying to help you select the best gear for your game. So it's you try, you trade in, you select. It is all about you, the golfer at Global Golf. Check it out at globalgolf.com. Sean, Tiger Woods moved up from 973 in the world to 745. What a win. Pretty good for a solo 47th. Yeah, maybe people should have had him in uh, PGA Tour Stock Exchange. I know, I was thinking that. Um, all right, Sean, I want to play a little game called Strikes and Gutters. <laughs> all right, and I want you to just—I want you to give me a strike or a gutter. Up to you. Nothing in between. You get the implication? Sure. Gut, gutters, not good. Yep. Strikes are good. You want me to start? Go for it. All right, I'll give you a strike. Let's start positive here. 
Cameron Champ. Remember I said Rory was uh, the best player on the weekend by six shots? Were you wrong? Cam Champ was second. <laughs> shot uh, He shot three under on the weekend. A couple people shot three under on the weekend. Shane Lowry, uh, Cameron Smith. I don't know. I guess Shane Lowry was two under. Anyway, you get the idea. Cameron Champ, T10. That's a serious strike for a guy who's been inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, to say the least, that's yeah, really good I'll, stuff. I agree with your strike on that front. I mean, if if I was talking about Rory's game and saying that he sometimes needs to show a little more dexterity, I would say the same exact thing for Cameron Champ, a kid who hits the ball off the planet and who in his best moments has been a great ball striker. But, but hasn't finished inside the top 10 at any tournament since yeah. he won the 3M Open last summer. In his worst moments has been not so good. So obviously hopefully a sign of things to come you know something interesting about cameron champ three pga tour wins no pga tour results in the top five besides that wow it's just a little statistical oddity for you that's odd all right could you have a strike for me or a gutter i thought you were going to give me names and i had to come up with whether they were a strike i mean i'll I'll keep going while you kind of keep thinking here i'll give you a gutter jordan spieth you could say that again. And a gutter, your prediction that he would play well. For, uh, yeah, well, look, the, he's not the only one. Um, and I'm not the only one. Jordan Spieth has now played nine times at Augusta. This was the first time he missed the cut. In his eight previous starts, he'd finished in the top five, I believe, five of those eight times. Top three, five of those eight times. Yeah, so you're just believing that the magic is the magic and I it will never be in not the magic, magic of the Masters when it comes to Jordan Spieth. I was wrong. That's a gutter. No pins awarded. Can't do spares. No spares allowed. Sure, give me a spare. I would say Justin Thomas made a spare. Oh. JT basically played what I thought to be the same type of tournament he played at Sawgrass. Coming as the favorite, the person that everyone's talking about, you play like two really solid rounds and two rounds that are just confusing as all hell. And we leave it. You know, he finishes in the top 10, finishes T9 this week. It's like, wait, was this a net positive? Was this a net negative? I guess it seems pretty good. It's better than missing the cut. It's better than a gutter. Feels like it could have been a strike, but it ends up being a spare. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that that, that's, you know, it's on the harsh side, but I think that that's where JT is at this point. Like, Yeah, that's what I mean. Like finishing T8 at a major is pretty good. He beat most other top players, but yeah, no, where he needed to take the next step, well, first he needed to not shoot 76 on day one, but then he uh, stalled out a couple rounds on the weekend when he looked for a second like they could be really good ones. Couple more gutters for me, Sean. Well, quick one for Bryson DeChambeau. It just seems like he's in a bit of a, a gutter when it comes to uh, his health, his preparation. He's rusty, missed cut. But shout out to him for following Tiger's group around today. I thought it was kind of cool. That was cool. And what did he say about it? He said, "I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to see the goat, the greatest to ever do it." Yeah play in person or just play period and you know what we're all kind of in that same boat so kind of kudos to bryson a golf nerd and a nerd in general to appreciate the moment for what it was gutter for me for picking xander shoffley to win this major (laughs) championship i didn't see him playing today so i assume he was not near the lead 
he was so far away from the lead. I think he was back home in San Diego. I think that's probably right. Um, one last strike for me. That's going to go to Corey Connors. <laughs> this is a guy that, I mean, he's, if I'm guilty of picking Xander as like my guy to win, I'm guilty of picking Corey Connors often as like my guy to show. I just think he hits the ball so well. Yeah, um, he does. This is his second consecutive top 10 at the Masters. Finished T6, um, you know, just a couple shots off the podium. And yeah, I just think it's awesome. I think it's good for the, the Canadians. You know, on this very podcast, we we're talking about uh, people under the radar, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You listed off Luke Lists, and I listed off Corey Connors. Yeah, we could get into the details of how you ended up listing off Corey Connors, but we can save that for offline. The details? Yeah, well, I wrote it down, and you said No, you it. didn't. I wrote it down. <laughs> Let's talk about Luke List, your boy shooting seven over because he hits it so well. God, he didn't hit it so well this week, that's for <laughs> sure. You have any other strikes and gutters for me? Um, uh, yeah, Phil Mickelson not being here. That's a gutter. That's a gutter. I wish it was something other than that. It is what it is. But the real gutter is that he texted Fred Ridley instead of calling the chairman. Yeah. You know, it's placing a call into his office. He just says, hey, you know, it's not going to work out for me this year. The Masters was ready to have Phil. They did not disinvite him, as Fred Ridley said during his press conference. So, Phil, you could have played for Phil fans out there who hate cancel culture. I heard I heard a couple of them in Amen Corner getting deep about cancel culture today. Self-canceled. That's what <clears throat> Phil is. Phil has not been canceled. Yes. We need this on the record. Phil Mickelson has not been canceled. It's not to say that he couldn't at, at some future point be canceled but no it has not happened yeah the point is it was tough not having phil there but boy forgot about it really quickly phil kind of needs to be at the next major or that will become a huge distraction the masters is bigger than any one competitor i mean it's one of the few tournaments where that's the case i guess is tiger woods bigger than the masters because he might have upstaged the masters he sort of week. did but look once tiger kind of got out of the way on sunday everyone was really locked into the other stuff that was happening so i think that's a credit to it uh the uh, my one last little disappointment sean was there's sometimes some fun intrigue about um the top 12 golfers at the masters because those top 12 guys get to come back next year but Pretty much everyone in the top 12 was guaranteed to be here next year anyway. So we didn't get that crazy moment at the end. There were a couple guys that probably would be on the edge. Minwoo Lee shot 30 on the front nine, but then made five bogeys to start the back nine. So he cooled off, finished 14th. Harry Higgs um, was just outside. He finished T14 also. Um, so anyway, some strong showings from some guys that won't get the auto invite back next year. I got no more strikes and gutters, no more bowling balls. It's 1:30 AM here in Augusta. We appreciate the support of everybody who has listened to the drop zone weeks past. And especially this week, especially you sound a little tired here, Sean. Yeah, I'm tired. My back, my Mac, my MacBook battery is literally at one percent. So we got to wrap this. Oh thing boy! Up. All right. Any final parting favorite moment from this week? 
No, I literally can't. We're, we'll we'll run out of battery. All right, he's gonna run out of battery. Um, all right, I, I would just remind you finally to check out the Drop Zone Apparel Collection at RadmoreGolf.com. And thank you guys again for listening. It's been really fun. Uh, go check out Golf.com. You can read my story on Tiger from today, Sean's story on Rory from today, um, a whole bunch of other stuff. But we're happy to be here. Happy to have you here. We'll see you next week. <laughs>